All right, and welcome to the seventh episode of We Have a Microphone. Um, and just to prove that we have a microphone, I'm actually going to adjust the microphone. Whoa. So that <coughs> it, is now, it has now <coughs> been adjusted. We have an adjusted microphone. So yeah, I'm Hampton. I'm Michael. And as I mentioned, did I mention? Maybe. Do we have a microphone? We have a microphone. Uh, yeah, so we're back again. You can't get rid of us. Nope. The most professional show in all of the podcasting universe. True. Also the most profitable. Because. Mm-hmm. Definitely. No, I got nothing. I got rolling, nothing going on. Rolling and all that podcast money right now. <laughs> Yeah, if, if you're out there and you don't have a podcast, it's you're a missing out yeah. on like a revenue stream that it's just inexcusable. Get rich quick. Yeah, it'd be like filing your taxes and you don't take the standard deduction. Or it's also like having a podcast and using uh, American IRS uh, tax jokes. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well. Well, we're on a roll. Uh, oh yeah, Michael, you should go make us a cocktail. I'm gonna go make. All right. Well, and this one is actually pretty interesting. Uh, oh yeah. So this is a cocktail that. Wait. Can I tell? I, I won't say what it is. No. But I, I, I think I know what you're doing this time. <clears throat> so uh, Michael was lovely and made like a, a gift for my brother and our sister-in-law, and uh, they wanted to thank us. So they mailed. They went use some service. I, oh, we should be sponsored. I'm not going to say their name until they sponsor us. There's a service where they'll mail you cocktails. Well, like, yeah. But they sent like all the ingredients. This big box showed up, and it like sounded liquid. And my, my, my immediate thought, because I'm a terrified white person, was I was like, is it a bomb? Yeah. Yep. That's my first thought, because I have a healthy relationship with fear. Um, no, it turns out it was a box full of liquor that we didn't know was coming. And uh, yeah, it was like a cocktail. And so they, they, they curate. Yeah, they curate cocktails. So you can go kind of order a cocktail and its various components and mail it to a friend. Um, which, I like, we actually didn't have anything that was in it, right? No, which is weird. No, uh, I mean, we'll talk about it in a second. But yeah, we, a, uh, we have a huge liquor collection. As you can tell by people who have a podcast themed on coming up with a, having a different cocktail every week. Uh, or as we like to call it, future AA members. Mm-hmm. Um, or is it triple A? I don't remember. Um, yeah, so we're back doing our podcast. Last week we had Smith on. We got, we got kind of fucked up. We, yep. we don't have a Lakshmi question this week, unfortunately. Oh, yeah. I forgot to get one from her. So for lovers of that, that component, that segment. that segment that we just introduced last week, uh, but we'll have one back next week. Um, yeah, so we're not going to have that. Uh, I don't know what else to talk about. I'll make, make, I know, make I a know, cocktail. I'm taking, I'm taking See, this is why having a guest is better, because if I have a guest, I can talk to somebody. I'm just yeah. watching Michael make a cocktail I can't drink right now. Um, well, it's been stirred, so it's on its way. See, this is where we're professionals who make high-quality content. That's the content is king. That's what they say. I saw a tweet from somebody the other day, and they're like, "I immediately unfollow anyone who's, who tweets content is king." I know, I've never heard that before. No, you've never heard content is oh. king. You obviously don't work in social media marketing. Because content is king, Michael. Um, well, it's true. Okay, what they're saying is something true. Like, if you just put decent shit out there, people will pay attention. Uh, which is why nobody will ever listen to this podcast. <laughs> Because we're just doing it for us. Uh, and if you're listening, we love having you here, though. Because uh, it's really cool that you, you apparently... Like, I feel like anybody who's a listener of this show, we should be friends with. Oh, yeah. Cause, like, because, like... this is bullshit. Yeah, because if you're into talking about the shit we talk about, and listening to somebody make a cocktail while the other person waits, we'll be really good friends, I feel like. Ooh, ooh, here they're coming. They're coming. He's he's they're really like full, so Michael's walking very carefully. Don't stay on target. (coughs) Stay on target. Alright, so what what are we about to drink? This is called the dog patch, which if you know us at all, uh cheers. Cheers. That was a very silent cheers. It is where we live. Hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, um, yeah, it's one of these cocktails that was sent to us by our, um, by our, well, my brother and sister-in-law, your brother. And, uh, yeah, it's, uh, a whiskey, vermouth and amaro with some orange bitters garnished with an orange twist. Um, and it's really, really tasty. And mm-hmm. I, this, yeah, I, it's I'm, super smooth. Yeah. It's like, uh, it's Coca-Cola in colored. I think yes. that's how I would. Like it is a very dark. And it's kind drink. of it's like a like a Manhattan, but not as sweet. It's kind of bitter. With the Amaro lens of that, it's kind of nice. I don't think it's very bitter at all. I like it. I think it's very well balanced. But it yeah. was um, so they curate cocktails by um, like uh, from bars. So this was made by or invented by a bartender in uh, San Francisco. So yeah. Which wait, Dog Patch is our neighborhood in San Francisco, right? Just to be very clear, you're, you're just like we live in Dog Patch, which you don't say the Dog Patch. Mm-mm. This is a it's a rookie. It's a rookie. That's like, how you that's how you tell. Uh, also, San Fran, like no one calls it San Fran, Frisco, um, Frisco. Uh, so yeah, if you call it the Dog Patch, we're going okay. to the Dog Patch in Frisco. Yeah. Yes, exactly, that and perfect? that's how you know that you're uh, an outsider. Yeah. It's good to always have ways to know people yeah. outside. Yeah, you know. It keeps alienation at a healthy level. Yes. <laughs> and superiority, let's say. Which um, I, I have no problems with. Nope. Yeah. Um, so it's delicious, by the way. Thank, thank you, Michael. No, I, uh, well, thank this anonymous company that we're not going to mention the name of until we get a sponsorship. For the <laughs> and nod, nod. Purchase of beverage. There you go. A very subtle merchants uh, of beverage. Um, yeah, yeah. So this is, this is the part where we pause. Yeah, we pause and try and come up with what we're going to talk about this week. Um, I was thinking. So we've been watching a lot of TV recently. You know, unlike the rest of our lives, where we've not really been focused on TV. Um, yeah, we're definitely not those people who say I don't, I don't have know. a TV, <laughs> which I don't get. I, well, sorry, now it's just very, uh, obviously like, oh, I don't own a TV, but I do own Netflix. Right. And I okay. steal my friend's HBO Go password. Absolutely. Yeah. That is what people are really saying. They're just like, oh, I, I download it. Right. Like, that means you watch TV. Yeah, you watch TV. Like, I, okay, you don't have a cable subscription, mm-hmm. and maybe you don't have a physical cathode ray tube television. Right. I get it. But you, Yeah. You don't not watch. I mean, if you don't literally watch any television. These days? With the awesome shit out there? I was going to say, that's A, impressive, and B, I don't think we'll have much to talk about. Yeah, I know. Do you also not go to the cinema or the theater? I don't, you know, it's funny. Like, I remember all my English teachers and stuff in high school being like, uh, you know, throw out your TV. Like, they'll have, like, these, like, stickers and stuff. Like, Really? Yeah, it was like. And that was before the internet, though. Really? No, the internet was still going, okay. but but certainly not video streaming. Yeah, yeah. I mean, no, I just it it feels like a very luddite thing to do or say to me. Yeah, but you have to remember what TV was like in the nineties. I don't... like it was so shit in the U.S. It like just the dumbest stuff. Like so little character development, so little. It was Commedia dell'arte on repeat. I don't. Like, I so I I I feel like in the UK. I, I was too young to maybe appreciate or not appreciate how bad TV was. Um, but I don't feel like... I mean, obviously now, what do they say? We're in like a renaissance, like the golden age of television or whatever. But like, at some point, do these teachers also say you should not go to the cinema? Is that something? It wasn't for them, no. Right. No, no, it's, oh, wait, I, wait, I'm not questioning it's a lot of opinion. Yeah. I think there's reasons behind it at the time. Mm. That weren't just technological. Like, mm. these weren't people who were, like, had, like TV was around when they were born. Yeah. Or very, very right. young. Like, That's this true. wasn't like a, oh, this new technology, I can't stand it. Well, actually, I think the trade is that English teachers these days are like, don't use LOL. Like, yeah, yeah, that's true. They'll yeah. bemoan the or loss of like the, too much. Loss of the English language or yeah. something. Which is also bullshit. Like, yeah. that is insane to me. I... Okay. Begin rant. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Michael's like, I'm going to take a sip here because yep. I see what Hampton's doing. So the idea that language changing or using short forms or using anything is like in any way a qualitative change in the language is so willfully ignorant of the history of language and the function of language that it 
like, kind of, it just makes me so upset. Like, it, I feel like it's, it was something that was previously just classist in nature, like, speak properly, young man, uh, which, you know, is a way to say don't, don't speak like any ethnic or cultural subgroup, where these days, the, like, using kind of internet-based or short-form, like, uh, writing is something that, like, they'll make fun of now. Sorry, it's, it's traded a little bit. And it's the medium has changed the way that we communicate, which is fine. Paper did the same damn thing. Um, like, I mean, I feel like I feel like you're making a valid point, especially with regards to culturally, you know. You mean quite WRT? Exactly. Um, but I also feel is it worth? I feel like um, children are potentially. Do you have an obligation to teach children the language you speak? But they learn. Like this isn't a problem. Maybe it's not a problem because we say, oh, you shouldn't use text speak or whatever. Like, but you say lull all the time and you say it to your mother and you've got your mother saying lull is a word that has entered the English language that comes from an acronym that comes because of a technological I say feature. Lull. Yes, you do. Maybe. Yes. But not very often. It's a word. You understand it. You wouldn't even remark upon right, that's true. somebody saying, I did it for the lulls. Yeah. Um, and this is entirely from a mechanical short form because but obviously, of, but obviously I use a lot of slang that I wouldn't use around like my mum for example like for the lols she does not know what that means yes she or, does or like, well no I tried to explain it once and it didn't go well and what did she say she said what is lols <laughs> um but now yeah. she gets it no I don't know she come on give your mom more credit no but like the there's <clears throat> languages always changed right. naturally yeah like, and let's say that shorthand, quote-unquote, started to become, like, the way we spoke. Well, that's totally fine. That's <clears throat> The invention of any new word comes because it's either a more efficient way to express something that's either subtle or blunt, and so you create a new word for it. So, like, the differences between two words, one might have a more, you know, nuanced meaning than another one. Uh, or it might be a short form. So we have contractions that are just fine in most language. Can't is fine um, by most English knobs. Uh, like, uh, and it's fine. It's a part of the language. We say can't. We don't do, say cannot every time. Um, well, maybe you do. <laughs> but, but I, I cannot do. stand I it. I cannot stand when someone says can't. But there's, like, I feel like pretty much compound words... Uh, a lot of the words we say that we consider just normal words are absolutely compound words. They're borrow words. They're weird, like, mutations of other borrow words. Like, and it's fine. It all works out in the end. Like, I feel like it's I really like, weird that we are afraid of our own language. Like, it'll no, somehow rot like, or something. No, I, I, think, I think there's a fear of lack of communication. I think um, being but, clear when you communicate is the point of language. And... I feel like there's there's maybe a, um, you know, uh, if I'm just decide if I decide that this word means something else now, like okay, I can use that as much as I want. There is obviously an onus upon a speaker of the language to use a word that communicates clearly what they mean, right? Right. Maybe. Maybe. Well, I don't know. I feel like seeing that's where this shit starts to get really classist and weird too, because it's like. I don't think it. I don't think it's necessarily to, ha, to who and how. Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But but why? I don't. I don't feel like the onus is on uh, any one group. I feel like you should have the skills to describe maybe accurately. Sure, but you're imagining that there are some children out there who can only speak in their no, great no, no, typist no. Sorry. or something, I'm, and they're I'm, only able to communicate in like beeps and boops that nobody can understand or something. Yeah. No, well, those, wait, those those robot babies are like <laughs> everywhere now. But like that's no. there's this weird no, and it's it's not just you. This is like a really common paranoia. Like there must be children who no, I don't think I don't kind think of a, can't. I don't think it's paranoia. I think I think that sorry, there's the idea that <coughs> as long as you sorry, I don't I don't think it's say they did communicate in beeps and boops and only uh, acronyms, mm -hmm. but could also communicate effectively with a wide range of others. 
I don't know if that would be such a problem. And then it's like learning another language almost. But then you only learn that because other people are communicating that way. The people right. that you want to communicate with. Sure. Like, you don't... Yeah, if you don't want to communicate with someone who doesn't, like, speak the same language as you, then that's... Yeah, of but, course that's your but choice. But la- language mutates at a rate... Much like evolution, I think, of species. When an outside factor comes in that starts affecting things, mm-hmm. rates of evolution skyrocket. Yeah. So to me, it's the technological limitations of typing. Mm-hmm. Um, like, you can type way faster than you can... Or I can certainly... I mean, I can communicate by typing so much faster than uh, speaking. Speaking it, only certain things, though. I, I, sorry, I'm not saying that we're kind of stop speaking as a species. You can tone and pacing and all sorts of stuff has so many cues about various emotional states. <laughs> That's the big downside of typing is you lose all those. But I mean, it's an incredibly efficient way to like if you want to describe one idea and you need to maybe academically describe it or something. You just you know you want to write a paragraph about something. I feel like you can write a paragraph that is readable in 10 seconds uh, where to listen to somebody talk about it might take two or three minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's cool. It's, it's bad about emotional stuff. It's bad with social cues. Um, but it's fine. Like, we have this technology now. That's a huge change. It used to be writing was far slower than speaking, right? So we, we yeah. came with these very long form ways to write. Like, also, the, the pens were bad. Um, you know, they had all these, like, to use a quill, you, you know, French writing, as it's called, or whatever we say in America, cursive, Mm -hmm. like joined up writing is the other name for it. Um, I'm being international. Don't you hear me? Mm -hmm. Um, no, a lot of that's like, it's the easiest way to write with a quill pen because you don't pick it up. It's really hard to get a clean end. You can't write like individual letters as much. It's much easier to, then what do you feel like about emoji? Because I, I mean, I feel like that is a next step in communication pictograms, hmm. and it's like coming back from high. I feel like, yeah. I, sorry, the conversations we've had. I feel like, like it's tricky. So I am not very good at speaking and understanding emoji. Right. Like people send me three things, and I'm like, I gun money and holding hands, and I'm like, there you go. I'm like, what? What is gun money all Um No, like, I... Sorry. I, like, I certainly get the simple ones that are used to, like... I, I use them in, in internet writing a lot. Uh, but I, I guess I'd use emoticons, which are different. Yeah. But there's overlap. Like, a winky face is one of the most important inventions in the history of online yeah. uh, linguistics. It makes, it makes me feel a little bit sleazy, though. Like, Why? if I use the winky face, I'm like... I don't know. I feel a little bit lecherous. Or, like, I don't know. There's something weird about the winky face. Wait, you, you think it's a perverted winky face? No, I... I feel like you're projecting on the winky maybe. face here. You're like, hello, hello, wink. Right. I don't know. It, it, I, I, I don't know many people who do winks. Like, really? Yeah. Am I just the only one? No, no, no. Like, in, in real life. Oh, no, no. But the, the idea is... I mean, I know, you know the it's idea. It, 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 well, we should say it. Okay. So... A winky face to me, when you're writing online, is to say that this thing was a joke. Yeah. It is not to be taken seriously. I'm being sarcastic or fun or trying to yeah. be funny. Do not take what I just said literally. Yeah. Um, which I think is so important because I make a lot of jokes, and I like to make jokes when I'm chatting with people. Yeah. And oftentimes, if you make a joke and don't include a winky face, they don't know it's a joke. Right. Because there's no tone of voice. That's like living in Britain for you the whole time. It's like... <laughs> No winky. People making jokes. You're like, it's true. Uh, my favorite is the winky sad face. So it's a semicolon and then an open parenthesis, um, which I find hilarious for some reason. I don't really know why. But it's like you're winking and you're sad. So it's like a sad joke you're making or something. I don't I know. I think I used it the other day for something. I did yeah. have a case where I thought. I've seen it a few this times. This is. It's very rare. Oh, yeah. I love it. I should use that more often. I don't remember why. <laughs> um. No, but it's funny that, like, these emoticons are used to give tone. Yeah. Um, or at least, at least a rough estimate of tone and intention, uh, which written language does not have. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. I mean, <laughs> uh, Jonathan Swift would have put a winky face after, like, every single line of uh, most eat, of his Eat the children. Yeah, you eat the children, yeah, winky no, no. face. Yeah, yeah, well, I can't remember what it was called. Because it's funny, I, I actually think that the written word has had not 
there hasn't been a lot of tongue-in-cheek writing yeah. because it's so difficult then, to get across the okay. idea that it's Sorry, I feel, not to be taken literally. I feel as a British person who uh, relishes uh, very, very dry humor, just adding, like, a sarcastic note. Or, like, I've seen some punctuation marks uh, that have mm. been proposed where, like, you put it afterwards and it acts like the winky face. It's basically like, oh, this is a joke. Or, oh, this is sarcastic. I hate when people propose things where there's already a thing. They just don't think it's snobby enough for them. The winky face? I mean. Well, I think the winky face is too flirty. That's why. It's not flirty it. at all. Well, there you go. We're having a miscommunication. What we're having here is a You think I'm flirting with people when I'm putting a winky face? Yeah. It's, a, it's the source of all my jealousy. <laughs> No, no, I'm just saying, like, I, uh, I don't... Anyway, sorry. Does someone propose Wait, people, a... People no, tweet no, no, at I, us whether or not the winky face to you is... Is... Sexualized or just tongue-in-cheek? Yeah. Which one? Yeah. Please um, let us know. At Wham Show, we yeah. will retweet you because we have, like, 15 followers, so whatever. Yeah. Um, but I... Sorry, so someone proposed, I think, a punctuation mark of, like, this is the sarcastic punctuation mark. And... As someone who, like, I feel like it's Facebook. So Facebook, I think, recently announced, and I think they're doing this, a little tag above stories from, say, The Onion or ClickHole <laughs> saying, this is satire. And I feel like that just destroys the point of satire. And I don't really know what the point of satire is, but I feel like if you point out that it's satire, something's gone wrong. And maybe this is a classist thing. Maybe this is an in-group, out-group thing. Maybe this is a British humor kind of thing. But I feel like as soon as you say laugh track this is supposed to be funny you've lost the point of satire i do think that's classist yeah well because i think but then what you is know humor? It, but you know what the onion is yeah so when you see because this has happened where people post an onion article it's, i can't remember the ones there have been a couple oh there was one there's like one about abortion clinics or something yeah there's one about Oh, was it like somebody had too many abortions or something I or oh, it punch free. Yeah, yeah like yeah, a punch yeah, card yeah, i don't know so, you know, right-wing people went crazy, being yeah. like, look what happens, like, yeah, yeah. um, no, and so then this is why, because your, your grandmother does not know that right. The Onion is a satirical magazine, but you do, and you love seeing that article. Right. Like, so to me, it's trolling when you're trying to make a joke and the other person doesn't know it. Um, and to but me, then, it's incredibly, then, sorry, like, what is what thing. is humor, and we can go a little bit matter here. Humor is doing what is unexpected, right? You should have an unexpected thing happen. And if you announce pre to your joke, I'm going to make a joke about X. So all stand-up is not comedy. All comedy shows are not comedy. Wait, no, because all comedy shows and all stand-up, humor is based. I feel like this is pretty... I thought this was a pretty standard humor thing, like comedy 101, of like you're subverting expectations, right? Sure. So if your expectations are one thing, and then you're told, oh, watch out, a joke about... In a non-threatening controlled environment. Maybe that's the thing that needs to be added on here. Yeah, maybe. So, if the President of the United States went up and gave an announcement, and then just started shooting the audience, that would be the most surprising thing you could imagine. It's true. However, it is not funny. It kind mm. of violates the mm. expected and controlled aspects. So it's pushing your social norms, but where you know what's happening to you. Otherwise, it's either just abuse or trolling, which trolling is abuse. Yeah. yeah. So it's making a joke that the other person doesn't know about. Hmm. Um, and I don't think... So, I mean, uh, sorry, part of the subtext here is we've often talked about um, a thing that bugged me in the UK. Uh, as far as I know, this is the only... I think... I don't know. We have to go to the European countries. Mm. But I think British people do this more than anyone else. Which is, you will tease somebody or, like, withhold information from somebody. Uh, or trick somebody, sort of, publicly. And you don't need to let them know that it's a joke until I, they even dig themselves in. I feel like this is a very misleading way of putting it. I feel like, for me, humor in the UK okay. is... Wait, give an example of when you think I would be too sensitive or something. No, sorry, I don't. I, 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 I feel like it's a very. Uh, so I, I, I guess this goes back to like maybe relationships in the UK between friends. I feel like 
potentially go a lot deeper in the UK than maybe in the US or like that's a hell of a statement I know that's a, that's a pretty big statement the um, people are better friends in the UK no no I just, <laughs> I just feel like there's there, I feel like there's what? a superficial level of uh, comedy that is present in the US that is not present in the UK that's punchline based maybe and I feel like in the UK, you don't do this with just anyone. Like, if you're just casual acquaintances of someone, you may not make, like, jokes with them. Or do this thing we're about to talk about, this teasing, maybe. But I feel like when you know someone really, really well, and they're a very good friend, and it's often self-deprecating, and I feel like it's characterized in The Office, Peep Show, Nighty Night, Marion and Jeff, but there's a... Yeah, a self-deprecating, but also, I know you well enough to deprecate you as well. <laughs> Does that make sense? Yeah. Sure. There you go. I know you so, we're that such good friends that I, that I can take you down. Yeah. And sorry, my, sorry, not many people, I feel like, could do this to me without me feeling offended. And I feel like some of my very, very best friends... We did that a lot, and there was, you know, a making fun of each other kind of thing. Well, so my family, there's a lot of making fun of each other. Not as... But we smile at each other right after, and then let everyone know that you didn't really mean that. There's a winky face at the end of what yeah. we tease. Right. Um, <clears throat> and I feel like in the UK, you tease your friends. But that is all you need. And then there's a winky no face. Because as soon as you tease someone, you, because, oh, okay, 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 I think I've got it. So, British people would not be an asshole to someone, right? You're not going to be, like... I don't know, I've seen a lot of assholes in the UK, but sure. But, 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 but yeah, not... Yeah, but, like, so, someone in the US, I feel like, could say, oh, uh, you know, I don't know, you're such a failure in your life, and really, really mean it. And I feel like, if you didn't have a winky face in the US, that would could be considered a grave, you know, uh, uh, what's the opposite compliment? <laughs> Whatever that is. Well, like... But then in the UK, you would never say you are such a fan. So, like... So, if anyone says that to you in the UK, you can be pretty assured that it's a a jest. Like, let's let's put it this way, and uh, I, I think I can be vague about this. Because, sorry, from an American perspective, this is what it would be like. There was somebody that uh, I didn't get along with in the Ruby community who I ran into in a bar, and I knew they had a beef with me, so I apologized. And then their kind of immediate response was like, uh, it was something insulting, basically, right. straight out. And like, I feel like in the UK, that could have been a joke. No, no. No, but, but here, if you were like, well, like, I was like, hey, sorry you didn't like the talk I gave. And then they could have been like, well, it was pretty shit. And then smiled, and then, like, made, like, a face, like, hey, we're cool now. Right. That would be totally appropriate in the U.S. Yeah. Because you just Definitely. let the person know, like, oh, you don't need to feel bad about it. Yeah. I just diffused the situation. Where, with your friends in the U.K., if something had similar happened and you apologize to them about something, they might say, well, I'm still pissed at you. But if they were good enough friends, and... Yeah. I don't understand I, this good I feel like that's thing. totally bad. Although I do wonder if I lost it some because I was I think when we were back in the UK I was chatting to someone and I completely misread a situation. I just feel like okay, I feel like in the UK it's very much uh private school boy humor teasing. I don't know thing. if that has the same connotations. I public school, sorry man. No, no, but there's <laughs> sorry, there's public private school humor is very I feel um Blue. Oh. Um, What's thinking like the kind of pick on your friends thing? Like, yeah. Like, I like being mean to my friends, but I smile as I'm doing it. And wait, I'm I'm always saying mean shit to you. Yeah. But that that's a joke. Right. Because and I I very clearly let you know through my reaction to what I just said. Yeah. To let you know not to feel bad. Hmm. Okay. I'll put it this way. 
I, whatever various things are driving this, the better system is the one that when you're mean to somebody, even a good friend, you let them know <laughs> that you're teasing. Okay? Maybe. I'm not going to stand I'm up. Not gonna, I'm not going to give this. You're not going to give... You're going to be like... Okay, the best... So I, I feel like this kind of maybe segues into British humor. Um, we've been watching... So I've been watching uh, the US office. Uh, well, we're moving quick. Did we just spend like forever about linguistics, and then yes. we talked about sarcasm? Linguistics, humor, Bax TV, maybe. Um, All right, go know. for it. Uh, no, so I've been watching the U.S. Office, which I've. So I, 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 I'm not a spiteful person per se. I didn't watch Thirty Rock for the longest time because I thought it contributed to canceling Studio Sixty. <laughs> That's true. Um, you did. But I'm not a spiteful person. No. Um, and I refused to watch the US office because I watched the UK office, loved it. It's Which, one of my favorite. Brilliant. Yeah. And I watched the first season of the US office and... You watched like three episodes. No, I watched the full first season of the US really? office. Really? It's like, it's only a few episodes. Oh, it's, really? it's about the same. It's like a British oh. season. Uh, and they basically copied it. Yeah. It's those first things are and absolutely it is worse. Horrendous. So much worse. And so I've, you know, it's been enough time. I did a similar thing with Dexter. Um, I loved Six Feet Under so much. I can, <laughs> I can bear to watch Michael C. Hall. Do anything else. Do anything else. Um, but we've been watching The Office and I'm laughing at some of the punchlines. <laughs> this is the most difficult that thing was, you've ever said. I feel I like. I know. I felt a little, therapy. a little bit of bile coming up as, as I you're, said. you're like, I can't say it. Uh, laughing. But they're um, just so incredibly different. They are. So and incredibly different. So we've been switching between The Office and Peep Show. <laughs> it's true. And I... I Two must very admit, different so it's, shows. It's funny, when, when I watch The Office, and I do have like a, oh, they made a punchline, or... Peep, Peep Show is a British comedy show. A British comedy show. Just pretty dark. Yeah. Yeah. And we watch an episode of Peep Show, and I find it's these deep belly laughs. Oh, yeah, yeah. That is totally. just completely different. And it, it made me realize, like, I do watch 30 Rock, I do watch Parks and Rec and The Office, and I find them very, very competent at, yeah. like, having, like, a punchline, mm -hmm. uh, setting up a situation. But and and still... having endearing characters. So oh, American yeah. comedies tend to focus yeah. on you... Starting to kind of like people and yeah. rooting for them. I don't want that. And they're stupid, but no. you root for them. That's very much a yeah. 2000s American comedy. And it was thing. terrible. So we watched an office episode recently, and you know Michael Scott was not invited to a party, and I'm like, oh, I just know at the beginning they're going to end up coming to the like Michael Scott's going to end up coming to the party, and someone's going to do something nice, and I just don't want that, and. <laughs> I know, I know. You sound like a really fun person on this podcast. I, I am so fun. No, but I, I, I watched like, these... I, I knew that this would have a happy ending, and I just thought, oh, God. I watched these British comedies, Turn it off. and they're just so... No, there's so no happy much, ending. No happy ending. So this 2000s British comedy... I think we, I think it could be a little temporal. Here. Yes. So let's say yeah. 2000s British comedy versus 2000s US comedy. Mm -hmm. I think it's a much easier line yeah. to draw here. I definitely haven't kept up with British comedy, um... Yeah, I, mean, I just, I feel like these kind of tastes change, though, over time. Yeah. But, like, sorry. Then um, again, there's never been anything in U.S. comedy even approaching 2000s British comedy. But then again, I don't think that even existed I, in Britain in the 80s and stuff. It wasn't no, like that. No, not like, at all. Not at all. No, I mean, it, was, it was, and I, I think the closest thing we have in the U.S. is the Adult Swim stuff, to mm, Cooks, mm. the, what was it, Every But that jumps commercial. over the... That jumps over the problem by being surrealist. Yes. So definitely. a lot of 2000s British comedy, just to sum it up for people, it's extremely dark in that the characters are often deeply flawed yeah. and they're not going to recover mm -hmm. while you watch them. Yeah. And they will express thoughts that you have had. Yes. If you're a smart-ish person who cares about other people. I've... So it's this very yeah. interesting catharsis is what a lot of the comedy is. Yeah. I guess toast. To, uh, like post Blair years, something yeah. like that, um, and it's, uh, but a lot of it's really like, um, uh, so, uh, for instance, a episode of Peep Show. It takes place from the perspective of the two main characters, and they're both kind of horrible in their own way. And one of the guys who doesn't really like himself got a girlfriend for the first time in three seasons, and 
is mostly just talking about, look, I have a girlfriend. Nothing, like, I'm a normal person. This person likes me for some reason. I don't know why they like me. I'm not, like, a weirdo. <laughs> Nobody's looking at me. Like, this is normal. She wants to kiss. I guess that's what people do. Yeah. I guess we just kiss here in public with my girlfriend because I have a girlfriend and I'm it's regular. Just, it's just amazing. No, so it's this very internal, very, like, uh, sad way to view the world, yeah. which we all, or most of us, I think, so, think. Yeah. If you're listening to this podcast and made it this far, you certainly have thought this to yourself. Yeah. So, like, and it's cool. Sorry. I... It's an intense experience to watch this kind of comedy. I laugh really deeply because it's saying the things you think that you're not allowed to say because yeah. they make you seem weird. Okay. And they're willing to do it. I have a thesis. Oh, okay. Oh, thesis. To yeah. Wait. Thesis time. Uh, okay. So I was realizing that British comedy has a very dramatic aspect to it. Mm -hmm. You're not supposed to laugh as much as you are in US comedy. Mm -hmm. Okay. So the lines between drama and comedy in the UK are more blurred. Certainly. In the US, you have a nice distinction between the drama category of the Emmys and <laughs> the comedy category of the Emmys. Like Birdman. Yeah. Uh, that's going close. So, yeah, that's terrible. Um, so, okay. So the void, I was like, so if I'm in the UK and I want mm -hmm. to watch something funny and laugh out loud and not think about drama and not think about whatever. The, the meaninglessness of life. Exactly. You don't want to deal with that. What do I watch? The gambling channel. Panel shows. Oh, panel shows are not that dark. Panel shows are light. Yep. Topical. Yep. Um, I, I don't know if uh, people know about panel shows. It's more like a cross between Chelsea Lately and... At Midnight. At Min oh, At Midnight's a great example. So it's like a quiz show. You'll have uh, QI is a great example that seems to be popular yes. in the US. Uh, two panels Wait, of about three if you're people. listening to this and you're not British and you haven't seen QI, uh, if you certainly if you've made it this far into any of our... Or, or if this is your second episode, my God. I think it's... Uh, go download QI. Is it on Netflix? It could be. Maybe totally on. could be. But um, like you have... Amer Amer American Netflix. Not all of our listeners are American, That's Michael. True. That's true. Sorry. We have international... There's British people who are just like, They're yeah, British. I fucking know what QI yeah, is. Yeah. Shut up. Uh, but basically, the panel show is two teams of about three. They answer topics on, have I got news for you? It's about news. Uh, question of sport. It's about sport. Celebrity juice. It's about celebrities. Um, yeah, they're just topical quiz yeah. shows where the points don't matter. No, and yeah. everyone's... It's just comedians making jokes. Yeah. So, I was realizing... Like Keith Lemon. Keith Lemon. That was pretty good. That was amazing. That was bad. It was pretty bad. <clears throat> um... So I was realizing that, for me, as a British person, I just go to these panel shows. It's true. And we've often you talked about why panel think. shows aren't bigger ah, in the US. And now I'm proposing, That's so this is my big thesis, and I'll defend it to anyone who wants to give me a PhD. Panel shows aren't popular in the U.S. because you already have enough comedy that's light enough mm -hmm. not to concern you on a deep moral level. Um, there you go. There you go. I agree. I think it's pretty good. Uh, well, at midnight, which is midnight. we think is the closest thing we've seen in America. Well, sorry, when it first aired, we were like, finally, this the, is what the panel mean. show formula, which we love. Or I sorry, after moving to the UK and being living there for a couple of years, I love the panel shows. Oh my gosh, I just want to watch panel shows all day long. We would watch so many of them. Yeah. They're so good. Um, and you should, if you're an American or Canadian, once again, go check them oh. out. Um, they're pretty awesome. Wait, what's the other one I like with, uh, with, with Mitchell? Oh, is it about lying? No, 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 no. Eight out of ten cats. Eight out of ten cats. That's, one uh, of the guys from Peep Show has a very lighthearted panel show. Yeah. Wait, I mean, he's... Or is he just on it? Yeah. Because it's, uh, oh, Jimmy it's, Carr. Oh, right. Oh, I was confusing Jimmy Carr with... Why isn't Jimmy Carr famous in America? I know, he should be. He should be. Absolutely. There is literally no reason. He's pretty good. Yep. He's got the erudite, like, British He's off. perfect. Yep. Uh, and it plays... Yeah. Like, if I could invest in a star in America, it would be him. Yeah. Like and More than Cheryl Cole. Oh, certainly. <laughs> yeah, that's, that that's was a whole other... British that's, Yeah, that's a... She didn't... Famously, she's a popular British person who did not make it in the U.S. when they attempted to yeah. bring her here. Yep. Uh, no, but he would work, because uh, the posh thing works. He kind of plays yep. up being posh. Yep. 
Uh, it's very self-effacing in a way that very much works for Americans. I feel like there's no reason why he isn't famous here at this point. Um, anyhow, I forgot what my original point was, but uh, you should watch panel shows. Oh, and I think your theory is right. Yeah. So, but what, oh, what takes the place? Oh, at midnight. Right, right. So when it first came on, we were like, like, so if no one's watched and it's been it, doing well. At midnight is a oh for the British people very internet-based thing hosted by Chris Hardwick, who's a pretty good nerdy comedian. Um, three panelists, uh, points are meaningless, and you get them for making funny jokes, and then yeah. you declare an arbitrary winner. I'm just saying, I feel like they're a little liberal with the joke with the uh, points. with the points. I know it's a little like it's like hundreds per joke. Which, yeah, I mean. Well, it's like Jeopardy, which is not, which is an American-only mm. kind of thing, or that's true, North American thing. Um, it's like panel shows plus Jeopardy. It's even a range yeah. like Jeopardy. It is actually, yeah, yeah. Like, which panel shows ten? The host is in the middle, so and like, then and wings to the side of the two teams. Did, much more seventies setup in the U.S. Yeah, and then these days any quiz show is host. And if there's three contestants, they kind of form a row with the right, little. Right. Uh, I guess it's more like Family Feud style, like. You have a host. Yeah, yeah, family feud with yeah. two people. Okay, so what comedy in did you miss while we were in the UK that you just can't get? We downloaded it all. Wait, but like what style? Like a laugh out loud, laugh track, so I, sitcom <clears throat> thing, or like the thing I missed was the, and I, I think I'm going to be ashamed to even admit this, but well, just to you. But the I love that in American media the underdog hero story stuff. Uh, like yeah. I know, okay, I know I shouldn't like it because I'm a skeptical, horrible adult yeah. who knows stuff. But like, it just feels nice to see stories yeah. to me. My brain just ends up a little bit happier. Yeah. Like when I see, like I, I feel like I kind of miss that because yeah. there's a lot of almost. E- that, sorry, that trope does not exist in the UK. Like, no. flat out. I feel like, like I, we could have a whole episode on the underdog as a trope. Well, um, but it's funny. I feel like Americans and Canadians who both love this idea, this meme within media, don't understand how specific it is. Hmm. Um, okay, so let's say uh, there's a British reality show. So reality shows use this all the time in the US. Hmm. Uh, all sorts of media use the underdog is hero story. Uh, and I'm using U.S. to short form Canada and the U.S. Um, but in the U.K., like, Great British Bake Off, which is a very popular uh, quote-unquote okay. reality show there. It's it's different than a lot of other things, but I think it's the most positive mm-hmm. reality show in the mm-hmm. U.K., most friendly. They have the character of the quirky underdog who will eventually lose. Yeah. But more like the eccentric yes. than the hero. Yes. So in America, we don't typically have the eccentric. The eccentric will lose, but they're, if anything, just a minor, minor, minor character yeah. you don't focus on. You focus on the, I have a story of perseverance and winning, like, through tough times, mm-hmm. that I feel like is not present in even kind of... No. Fabricated. And it's it's And when you can just come up with a reality show story. It's funny how much I associate that with uh quote the American dream unquote, like mm. uh the idea that anyone could do anything. And that definitely despite my upbringing, which is weird and almost kind of embodies that. Um <laughs> if we talk about my parents in person, I can explain that. But, like, the idea of that uh, anyone can do anything is not something I grew up with. It's, like, you, you're, the goal in life is to, you know, pretty much, like, slog on, do as well as you can, get through it, and, you know, have some okay kids. Like, that's that's the goal in British life. And, like... It's so sad. I know it's sad. Even if you sad. say that. And I know it's sad in a way. Then again, but, I wish I had the kind of peace to even be right. okay with that. And so I'm like watching the watching the underdog story, I just eye roll and I'm like, no, the underdog is the underdog for a reason because they're shit. <laughs> you know? It's like true. it's terrible. But uh, I'm but like But it's like okay, so I was thinking to myself earlier, I was like, we shouldn't talk about British comedy until we get another British person on the podcast. Mm. But then if we bring in any British person we know in San Francisco, they are not going to be like I feel like a lot of the people who moved here the 
city right now that is the most land of opportunity mm -hmm. kind of for intellectuals. Uh, they're certainly going to like underdog stories. I I want to know about this, actually. Because I know something. Like, but you're not the person, any British person living in San Francisco is not the person who just wanted a, a cup of tea, wool right. socks, and then to die it's true. peacefully. Yeah. Like, and that's all they want from life. That's true. So, it's, there's a lot of, I, I, I feel like there's a lot of dissatisfaction in the younger age yeah, yeah. British people with the, like, it's, as a young person in Britain, I feel like you're basically like, okay, look, I get your generation survived a war. Yeah. We haven't had one. We have a pretty damn I good mean, economy. <laughs> and now what the hell am I supposed to do with my life? Because just surviving yeah. is not enough. I feel, I feel like this is very reductive. Of I, I feel like if you went up to me and said, you know, do you want to just survive in the same life that your parents did? I would have said no. I mean, I don't... I, I, and now you've left and have a startup. Right, exactly. So but I feel like, like you're not a great... I, I still feel like there is a... And maybe this is me personally as well. There's there's a lot of comfort in the known. Yeah. that makes sense? Like, um, yeah. So. so I feel like I don't... I don't feel that as much. Mm. I feel like that's something very much I can draw from my parents' um, stuff. Which, but, who, like, your parents... I mean, we can talk okay. this much about your parents. Every Saturday, your dad washes his car. Yeah. Every. My mom packs Saturday. about two weeks in advance for any holiday. I, um, ju I just want to repeat, every Saturday, your dad washes his car. I... Okay, so I find this very strange, because I've never known... So, in the UK, owning a car... Every common. Saturday. But I, I don't know how, like, I guess you go through a car wash, but... Or you don't wash it one week, because you had something else to do. But you have... Okay. Only knowing really Hampton, and I mean, our neighbors have a car, but I don't know. Do they wash their cars? Whenever I it guess. gets dirty. But then do you go in a car wash? That's what they do. And where is the car? Like, I, I feel wait, like this wait, is so one of those things... we live in the suburbs. Where... We live in the city, so our right. neighbors are not... They don't have the opportunity to wash it at home. A lot That's of people true. wash at home. Okay. But, like, your parents? Oh, no. <laughs> they don't wash it, or they don't take they, it to a car wash? Well, my I've mom never... has somebody who comes to her office who washes her car. Okay. Wait, by hand? Yeah. Oh, okay. With a sprayer. Okay. But they just do it when... She just makes sure her... Yeah, I got it. The, I mean, the privilege is, yeah, level's yeah, insane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I understand. She has a small business with, like, right, right, right. ten employees. Yeah. She's not, like, rolling around in some sort of... But, but her assistant makes sure that, like, she, during those hours, should be in the office so yeah. that she didn't book anything, and then just the person cleans it and she doesn't think about it. My dad doesn't really clean his car because he's... And cheap. it was the last time we were talking about there was a lizard in the car. He, he just doesn't... I mean... He doesn't really. The, the personal effort, not worth it, and the price at a yeah. gas station, not worth it for him, so... Yeah. I mean, yeah, never having owned a car or really, I guess, known people who have cars... In that kind Wait, of so, so, like, you do our laundry. Yeah. Sorry, part of our relationship breakup of tasks is laundry's mm -hmm. yours. Mm -hmm. um, paying taxes is mine. Yeah. Um, that's why we talked about deductibles earlier. Yeah. Or, sorry, deductions, not deductions. deductibles. It's a little different. Um, I can explain that if anybody's interested. No, no but, like, do you do it exactly... I, I, I wouldn't even notice. Do you do it at the exact same time every week? No. It's mostly the weekends, but it varies, so is, right? Are you just being like, "This is how I'm sounding"? No, I just don't know. Oh, okay. No, I literally don't know. I, okay. I've had this suspicion that you do it at the same time, but like, I don't think that way so, about I mean, life. I so I don't it's know. It's usually at the weekends because that's usually when we take time off, but not always. Yeah. Um. Like, I'll probably do it on Saturday rather than Sunday because we have something this coming Sunday. But, but it would like, be like, what if every single weekend at 11 a.m. Uh, you did the laundry? No matter what, yeah. you're like, we can't do so, it. So it's weird growing up with that. Growing up with, like, my mom did, uh, sorry, my mom did laundry. And she would do sheets on a Tuesday, towels on a Wednesday, uh, other clothes whenever. My dad would wash his car about 11 on a Saturday. Um, yeah, it is It is super regimented. And, like, my mom would also, like, plan out two weeks worth of meals in advance because she was doing the shopping, you know, and yeah. need to get that or, you know, what you need delivered. Um, and it's, it's very different, I understand. And it's very routine-based. 
and being an EK is, um, yeah. Well, I mean, I, I, I know it's partly them. I just have never known anybody, in, like, that's not a thing. No, no. That I've never seen. Well, well I don't know. I mean, I know. Then again, I didn't grow up in the Midwest, like, I feel yeah, like maybe that's the thing, though. Your family's a bit more rural than mine, so maybe... Yeah. Well, I'm sure there are people who enjoy that. I don't think it's just a, a social thing. Yeah. But I, but, I mean, I find, to, uh, so we get the Sunday paper. I'm like, <clears throat> I, I find something enjoyable in the fact that, oh, it's coming up Sunday. We got to trigger on Tuesdays. I find that, you know, that's kind of a nice uh, marker of the week. I don't know. Maybe that's just me. who gets like a, I don't know, a sense of... You know, Wait, routine. I'm also the guy who really likes going back to the same place. I like being a that's regular. True. So that's weird. But that a surprising you... regular. Right, right, right. It's like, yeah, I may not show up for a while, and then bam. Yeah, mm -hmm. I find that strange, I guess. I don't know. Uh, life is a crazy flow. It's it's a liquid dynamics. It's not a, a marching order. Yeah. Code, and my job is marching order. Life mm -hmm. is a weird... Yeah, that's true crazy flow of everything yeah yeah that's a little bit of philosophy right there that everyone. was pretty amazing um all right yeah well i think that uh wraps it up for this episode yeah, yeah. just think mm -hmm. spend a little moment thinking mm -hmm. about the ebb and flow, of, the light. flow of life and like <clears throat> i do want to know uh from our audience winky face oh yeah yeah, yeah. definitely what does it mean to you Please tweet please. at Wham Show. Please. Yeah, we we can settle. Oh, this. just text us separately if you don't if you don't feel like tweeting because. Who texts? What is that? I text? don't know. People text. The strangers or just have call numbers. us. Send us a telegraph. <laughs> fax, fax us with a winky face, and we'll see. How I prefer we feel. a dancing telegram, but that's expensive. That's a dancegram. Dancegram. Yeah. All right. Uh, uh, see you soon, everybody. Good night.